Chris Hewitt here again with you for another Missionary Mondays episode, and today we have with us missionary church planner, Brother Caleb Wilson, and Brother Caleb is going to the country of Papua New Guinea. He's already been there uh, for a little over a year. Is that right, Brother Caleb? And yeah. we'll talk more to him about that today, and I hope you're uh, enjoying these episodes. If if you will, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, follow the podcast, follow us uh, on all the outlets, so we appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, Brother Caleb, uh, how old are you now, Brother Caleb? I'm 25. 25. He is a, a young man, but he's been serving the Lord for a long time. I've known Brother Caleb since he was in his teens, early teens, and I'm very thankful for him and his wife, Miss Tabitha, and welcome to the program today, Brother Caleb, and we'll we'll get right into it. Uh, Brother Caleb, we asked these three questions, and uh, these this is just our typical format uh, for the show. And we're going to ask Brother Caleb these questions, and he's going to answer them. And uh, we pray that the Lord will help us today. Uh, Brother Caleb, the first thing I want to ask you today is, uh, can you tell us about your call and your background, your testimony? I know a lot about it, but uh, I want the people to hear about it. Go ahead, Brother Caleb. All right, so yeah. Um... I'm just a, a, a nobody young man from nowhere, Alabama. Um, I was raised in Roanoke, Alabama. Uh, my home church is Mount Calvary Baptist Church there, Pastor Ricky Emery. And um, the Lord saved me at six years old. Uh, my mom and I, we, it was just us two. We were in a mess. And uh, somebody invited my mom to church in Winn-Dixie parking lot. And <laughs> we started going to church at Mount Calvary, been there ever since, and the Lord saved me. I was six years old, and I thank the Lord for letting me hear the gospel, Amen. and uh, grew up in public school. When I got into high school is when the Lord really started to burden my heart uh, to spread the gospel. There was a tremendous need there at Hanley High Amen. School, and uh, so starting in ninth grade, I just started witnessing to people, and and I started a Bible club and things like that, just, just trying to, to do something. And uh, in my four years there, the Lord let, uh, allowed me to lead three people to the Lord. Amen. And I, I thank the Lord for that. Uh, God called me to preach. I was 16. And uh, right after that, I started in my home church's Bible Institute. And uh, my teacher was Dr. Raymond Sorrells. Brother Sorrells was a missionary in Papua New Guinea and, uh, in the 80s for a long time. And uh, he was teaching. And in the middle of his his a lesson he just stopped and he just started talking about Papua New Guinea Amen. and I'd always had an interest in missions um, that there was a lot of people that asked me if you could do anything for the Lord what would it be and I always would say missions uh, but I always thought that was far away you know that was uh, that was much later in the future I had a lot of ambition that I had to take care of before I considered any of that and so uh, but I heard brother Sauls talk about Papua New Guinea and it was like a, a, a light came on. And Amen. for the first time in my life, I, I felt I felt the Lord say something to me. You know, definitely not audibly, uh, but I felt that, that influence of the Spirit Amen. just letting me know a, a confirmation, this is what I want you to do. And 
and so I said, all right, Lord, that, that would be amazing. When I'm 30 years old, uh, after I've Make a bunch got a of college money. degree, yeah, right, after I'm, I've made a bunch of money, I've got a f- solid family, then I'll be the preacher that quit a six-figure job in order to be a missionary. And there's, a lot, there's been a lot of people set out to do that, uh, but very few ever accomplish that because uh, the devil ties us up in things. And, and so, but that was my plans. And then brother, uh, just a couple weeks later, Brother Chris was actually preaching our youth conference. And uh, he was preaching and uh, he, he quoted Colossians predictions uh, on things above, not on things on the earth. And the Lord walked me down to the altar and showed me that it was either what he wanted me to do or what I wanted to do, that I could not have both. And that it was either now or never, um, that, that it was either um, at 18 years old or he, I can forget about it. There would, there would be someone else do what God called me to do. Mm. And it, it, I laid on the altar for about an hour, and uh, I finally said, Lord, with all my heart, I just want to do what you want me yes, to do. Sir. And uh, what I committed to was throwing away all financial security and, and all of that. And I committed to living on a grain of rice a day and living in a hole in Papua New Guinea. Uh, but And, of course, that's not reality now. The Lord is blessed and taking care of us. Uh, but he has to get you that place. And he got me to that place at 18. I committed. Uh, I, I dropped my scholarship and uh, just continued in Bible college. I graduated in 2015 uh, from Bible Institute and then uh, took my first trip right after that all the way to Papua New Guinea. My 21st birthday wasn't spent in a bar. Hey, man. It was spent on a plane headed to Papua New Guinea. And uh, I got there, sat under veteran missionary John Gray for about two months. And I mean, the Lord's just, the Lord was just, just teaching me. I, I was so full. Uh, the Lord was just helping uh, greatly, and uh, just a blessed, blessed time that was. Three weeks into my trip, uh, Brother John held an anniversary meeting and invited several missionary families from all over the country. Yeah, and in uh, walked Tabitha Hillsman. Hey, Amen. And just like when he called me to Papua New Guinea, it, it just showed me in my heart, just confirmed that's the girl you're going to yes, marry. Sir. And uh, I thank the Lord. Um, for showing me that and just just putting all the pieces together he's so much smarter than we are and i came back home started deputation and then in 2017 flew back over there with a ring in my pocket and uh got right off the helicopter in kyantiba village and proposed to her and thank the lord she said yes because that was a very long ways to go back home (laughs) with a no with a bad answer yeah Yeah. (laughs) so uh but then we got married july of 2017 and um, we're on deputation. We were on deputation, had a baby in October 2018. We moved to the field March of last year, 2019, <clears throat> and uh, spent a year exactly on the field. Uh, and we found out we were expecting. And so we headed back to the States. And now it looks like we're stuck in the States for a bit longer than we anticipated. Yes, so uh, now we're just here, just waiting for the arrival of the baby. Yes, sir. Well, and if you're watching this right now, you may be watching it it current when it debuts, or you may be watching it years later, but we're in the quarantine of 2020 right now, and uh, a lot of (laughs) countries are shut down. Matter of fact, Papua New Guinea, I know this for a fact, Papua New Guinea is not allowing anybody 
in or out of the country until December unless you're willing to do a 14-day uh, self-quarantine. So uh, okay. this quarantine is really hindering the gospel in a lot of places. It breaks my heart. But I want to say something. I, that, that youth meeting, and this may be the preachers, more uh, specific pastors, evangelists, but uh, that night in February 2013, that youth meeting Brother Caleb was talking about, uh, I preached very strongly. Uh, I even made the statement, you know, we don't need any more Christian doctors or lawyers or paramedics or, you know, fill in the blank. Not that it's bad for those people, uh, but the world's doing plenty of that. And it's a shame that we see these young people grow up in good, solid churches with good, solid, just uh, Brother Caleb came from a split home, but Brother Caleb's got a man of God for a pastor that has poured into yeah. him. Uh, he's got heroes, Brother Raymond Sorrells, we'll say more about that in a second, but he's got heroes around him, uh, men like Brother Ballou that has poured into his life, Brother Stendhal Ballou, and I made that statement that night, and I'll just be honest with y'all, I was attacked um, by the devil, number one, uh, but then I was getting ugly messages on Facebook, you know, 20, uh, 21st century persecution in America. I was getting ugly messages yeah. on Facebook, you know, and I, I was really discouraged about it because I really faced a lot of, uh, of backlash from that, uh, that specific service. Uh, I don't know if Brother Caleb remembers this, but we had pastors crawling to the altar that night. It was, it was a special service, uh, but I didn't know that God was doing a work in Caleb Wilson's heart. And it wasn't until, what, two years later when we were in Spring City, Tennessee. Is that right? You mm -hmm. drove me to Spring City, I think. Uh, it was um, when Emmeline was, was in, in the hospital. North Alabama. Yeah, North Alabama. That's right. Mm -hmm. And Brother Caleb drove me to a meeting. And he told me about um, how God dealt with his heart in that service about surrendering to missions. And I had no idea. I had no idea because it wasn't, he didn't get up that night and tell everybody, hey, I'm going to the mission field. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you don't always know what God's doing. And it may be an immediate negative response, but you don't know what's God's, you don't know what God's doing in other people's Amen. hearts uh, that's positive. So uh, just always remember that, man of God. We may not see immediate response. We may not see the response that's positive until we get to heaven. Uh, but it's right. it's still right to do right. It's still right to preach that. And if you're a Christian lawyer, a doctor, I'm thankful for you. But my point is, is that we pour all this into these young people, and there's 7.7 .7 billion people on the earth, and we need some people in this generation to surrender to missions and to to uh, going and doing the work of God. And Brother Caleb walked away from a lot. Brother Caleb was a smart, talented young man. He kept himself pure. He was walking with God, doing things for God before God ever sent him out. And I'm very thankful. And, and I mentioned Brother Raymond. Uh, I always love to mention Brother Raymond because uh, Brother Raymond Sorrells and Miss Yvonne, they, they, they were the second generation of missionaries, Baptist missionaries that went into Papua New Guinea. Uh, it was Vietnam that he was in, correct, Brother Caleb? I believe so. He was in Vietnam, and God showed him the need down there, and he went back. And uh, Brother Raymond has been a great forerunner because he paved the way and fought a lot of battles that Brother Caleb and I are not having to fight. Right. And we are getting to uh, reap 
a lot of harvest where we've not sown because of Brother Raymond Sorrels. And so I thank, I'm thankful yeah. for him. But Brother Caleb, I'm glad you talked about Miss uh, Tabitha. We used to pick on Brother Caleb and said that, you know, because he was single and he was going to Papua New Guinea that, you know, God was going to let him marry a girl from Papua New Guinea. You know, just pick uh, uh, Mary. <laughs> you didn't know how right you yeah, were. Yeah, and then we were prophesying, you know, and no, I'm just picking. Mm -hmm. uh, but Brother <laughs> brother Caleb came back and, you know, he was all tanned because he would be, he had been out there yeah. in the bush and he was love struck. His eyes, I mean, he, he was love struck. <laughs> you couldn't talk to him about nothing without hearing about Miss Tabitha. But I'm so thankful. Miss Tabitha grew up on the mission field in the bush in Papua New Guinea it's really all she's ever known correct brother Caleb that's it yeah. and what a what a God we serve that uh, there was doors closed for brother Caleb on so many things here in the states there was people that turned their back on brother Caleb and let me say this if you're serving God a lot of times because of the American dream the American dream has become the American scheme a lot of times because of uh, you're selling out to God's friend of God. People don't mind if you go into business. They don't mind if you go into sports. Right. They wouldn't care uh, uh, for a lot of things as long as you stayed right up underneath them in America. But the moment that you surrender, whether it's missions out west, missions in the northeast, missions in Europe, or missions on the other side of the world where they've never heard where Brother Caleb's going, listen, uh, it's a lot of times it's not going to be the world that uh, that attacks you about it. It's going to be those that are close to you. Sometimes those that are in the church, those that are family. But you can't. You've got to go with the call of God. And God has rewarded Brother Caleb with that. He's given him a godly, spirit-filled wife that was Amen. already prepared for the mission field. He didn't have yeah. to condition his wife. I'm sorry, I'm right. preaching. I'm in a little bit of a preaching mode this morning. <laughs> but Brother Caleb didn't have to. Uh, talk his wife into missions because he waited on God for the right one and God gave him a wife that was already in missions. So don't set your sights low, young people. Uh, set your sights real high and let God uh, bring you your Ruth or your Boaz, whichever uh, situation it may be. But uh, I'm glad you talked about that, Brother Caleb. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, she I, had I, to, go ahead. She had to condition me for yeah. the mission field. Yes, sir. I, goodness, I'm spoiled American. She's third generation missionary to Papua New Guinea. My goodness. And and uh, that first cold shower, brother, I was in there feeling sorry for myself. Yes, sir. And she she so lovingly let me know that she's taking thousands of cold showers right. that I needed to man up. That's right. <laughs> the cold showers are not fun. They are no, not fun. Uh, not at all. We see how spoiled we are as Americans when you go to places like that. Uh, all right, Brother Caleb, I'm sorry. I got off on a little tangent. but That's uh, all right. That's I, all I right. I feel like it's things that people need to hear. Uh, the, Amen. The second question is can you tell us about the people i know uh, now brother caleb's been with brother john gray uh for a year yeah. he got thrown out of the pot into the fire because a month after they got there brother john gray had to come back to the states uh for uh for because of cancer he's back now but the the here's the issue he went to train under brother john and uh, ended up getting some serious on the job training so he's been in yeah. alatow for you were right at a year, correct? Uh, Karama. Karama. I'm uh, so sorry. He lives in Karama. Yeah, that's I'm in sorry. Gulf Province. Yes, sir. And and so tell us about where you're going to go now. Tell us about the culture, the background, the history, and a little bit about the people God's called you to, please. So where we're going now is uh, Milne Bay Province, uh, more specifically uh, Troberan Island. And uh, if you look at a map of Papua New Guinea, it's uh, on the southeastern tip of Papua New Guinea. Uh, that tail is all of that 
the tip and including all those islands is Milne Bay province and uh, just the, the, the island uh, north of there is Trobriand Island and uh, it's it's just a very very uh, sinful place very beautiful place uh, there's there's uh, the Great Barrier Reef there's a tail of it that goes up in there I mean mighty good fishing and a beautiful scenery but in contrast uh, the people are in are in very severe darkness yes, and uh, never been there. The only reason I'm going there is because, again, I, I have clear direction from the Lord. That's where he wants us to go. And so uh, I haven't been there, uh, but read a lot and talked to a lot of people about the condition of the people. And uh, those people are all mostly Catholics and uh just like everywhere else in the world, Catholic Church doesn't change anybody. It just adds to their long list of beliefs. And so they still practice witchcraft very uh, prevalently. Um, they still practice sorcery. Um, their sexual perversion is is very severe. And uh, I mean, even as young as nine years old, and there's nothing wrong with that. Have as many partners as you want to have, no matter who your spouse is. Uh, culturally, they have a matrilineal um, system of doing things. That means the women are in charge. The women own the land. The only person I know from that island uh, is an Australian. He's from there, but he's an Australian citizen now and a good friend of mine. Uh, but he told me even if even if I still live there, I wouldn't be able to get you any land because all my sisters own it. <laughs> so um, completely, I'm bi- nothing in Bible college trained me for any of this because uh, we're just not used to, to that way of living. It's so different, so um, so far out there. Um, but the people, man, if, if they can just get the gospel, then I have full confidence that they'll believe it and the gospel will have its perfect work there. Yes, sir. Well, and, and Brother Caleb mentioned something about the Catholic Church, and we're not just bashing people to bash, but uh, in Papua New Guinea, it is well known, and this is what the nationals will tell you. They'll say, in the 1600s, the Catholics came, and we continued to eat eat each other, and uh, and eat. They ate some of them too. Uh, they said we continue to cannibalize, but in the 40s, the gospel came to Papua New Guinea, and they said that's when our country changed. And uh, what that island needs, uh, and all that island chain, is the gospel to break down those sexual strongholds. And Brother Caleb and I have talked about this before, but it seems like the islanders are more laid back. They're more relaxed, kind of like a Hawaii. Uh, is it called Micronesian? Isn't that uh, the, mm-hmm. uh, or yeah, the Micronesian culture. They, uh, I believe that's right. If it's not right, forgive me. You can correct me uh, in the comments. But uh, they, they are very laid back people. But Brother Caleb's right, they are very sexually perverse people. Uh, it's the same kind of culture that our friend Brother David Ballinger's dealing with down in the West Indies. It's the same culture that I've had friends all around the world that, that are on islands. Uh, that is the same culture. Uh, they may be different skin color. They may have different backgrounds, but there's something about that sexual stronghold on those islands. And so we need to pray because they're not violent. They're not... Uh, boisterous like the the people right. in the the highlands if you will amen i've had some uh interaction with those people but they're very laid back but at the same time that wickedness of sexual perversion is just as bad as the wickedness of fighting and brutality that that there there is in the mainland so 
we need to we need to really pray that God would break down those strongholds and that's what it's going to take uh, Jesus said in Matthew 17 and in Mark 9 that this kind talking about that devil that was in that boy that was that was possessing that boy this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting so uh, we need yeah. to pray and go ahead and start praying brother Caleb mentioned this in passing but uh, he's gonna have to buy land eventually and that means he's got to win somebody the Lord that's going to be willing to sell him the land and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about this. The, they have a, a system in Papua New Guinea called the one-talk system, one-talk. And that means that's their best friend. And uh, that is a hard system to break into because uh, a one-talk, uh, typically you make friends with somebody that has a job and they take care of your stuff. And uh, they, a lot of times they'll live in the same house together. And if that one person is providing for everybody, uh, and they they are depending on that, and then you they're all Catholic, and your God's God's dealing with you, and a Baptist person's trying to win you to Christ. That's a that's a stronghold they have to overcome because they're afraid yeah. that if they get born again and quit going to mass and quit going to the Catholic Church, that that one talk will push them out of that system. And it's real, is it not, mm -hmm. Brother Caleb? I mean, it really is. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time in there in that country. So we need to pray for these things for Brother Caleb and that God would go ahead and uh, break down those strongholds and prepare hearts for him uh, to uh, in a place Yeah, that's... definitely. Baptism is huge. is what uh, when they 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 don't mind you believing whatever you want to believe. So you get saved, uh, they don't really care a whole lot. Um it's when you get baptized and our American culture, baptism's nothing, Means you know, nothing. and, and, and growing up, I always wonder, you know, what's the big deal? People get like Jews in the Bible. Why they have to deal with that? What's the big deal in getting baptized? Uh, because we do it in the privacy of our own church and usually in a baptistry. The only people looking at us are people that already agree with it. Whereas the Jews and Papua New Guineans who get baptized in a river or in the middle of the village, like we've done several times, uh, the onlookers, everybody that knows them, all their family, all these lost people yes, that hold their job in their hands are looking to see what decision they're going to make. And if they choose to get baptized, everything goes out. Right. Their, their financial security, their job, all their land, because all of it does not belong. None of their possessions belong to them. It belongs to their family. Yep. And they just they share it with each other. That's the one talk system. And as soon, like Brother Chris said, as soon as something becomes a danger to that, their loyalties no longer are prioritized to the family. Their loyalties are prioritized to Christ, right. and Christ has the domain over that land. Then they they are excommunicated and and persecuted, and and they suffer greatly. And uh, so we we you know in the states uh, we criticize but we don't know anything about what it's like right. to face that and getting baptized. So a lot of times it takes them a little bit longer to commit to, to right. being baptized. And, and Brother Caleb, I'm glad you said that as well, because like, <clears throat> I, I grew up southeast, the Bible Belt, and yeah. I've only known, for the most part in my life, uh, indoor baptisms. And a few right. years ago, I began to think about it, think about it biblically, and... Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean much to us because we're That's doing right. it in the confines of the local church. And it is the ordinance of the local church, of the baptism yeah. of believers. But it is for the world to see. And when we brought it That's inside, right. it lost its effect. And if you do indoor baptisms, please don't think me and Brother Caleb are being critical of you. 
Uh, my home church has an indoor baptistry, but me personally, same here. Yeah. I believe in the biblical principle of doing it outside, uh, so it it it. it it uh it means something it is an outward expression of an inward experience and if that's the case we don't need to just tell each other again we need to tell the world uh up in minnesota Amen. where the catholic church has a stronghold is the first place i ever saw it where people were afraid to let the wor the world know the town know that they were getting baptized because they were afraid they were going to lose their job and there was a good chance that they would yeah. have and if that person's not ready to come to that point well, maybe they're not ready to get baptized, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and there's just a lot of issues. Brother Caleb's got Jesus calling. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> but just we need to pray about these things and, and the reality of this stuff. But And that kind of gets us into our next question. Uh, what do you believe the biggest obstacle and need is uh, for these to reach these people that you're going to, Brother Caleb? So the biggest obstacle uh, I've been told is logistics uh getting there um and and you know the, they tell me the biggest obstacle are all these things the, the sexual perversion um the the stronghold the catholic church has and and all these things that's what i've been told uh that if these were out of the way then we could have free reign uh i i read the verse the Lord used to call me to that particular island is in Psalms 18. And he said, David is writing to the Lord. He says, thou hast delivered me from the strivings of my people and hast made me the head of the heathen. He's writing this in the time where he was living amongst the Philistines. And uh, he says that and has made me the head of the heathen. When they shall hear of me, they shall obey me. And the Lord showed me the biggest obstacle standing in the way of them coming to Christ is the fact that nobody's ever gone them, gone to them to show them Christ. And that if we can just get there, then the gospel will do what it's supposed to do. Amen. I have full confidence in that. I believe I have a promise from the Lord that all he is just somebody to go, you know, not and I, I, my biggest fear is for me to say, Lord, uh, I'll go so far. And then we get to that barrier and he plugs someone else in there and set me on a shelf. That's my biggest fear. The rich young ruler said, I want to serve you, Christ. What do I need to do to serve you? And Christ told him, sell everything you have. And he went away sorrowing. Christ did not chase after that man and say, well, I'll bargain with you. You can sell half of it and then the other half you can get. No all or nothing and as far as we know the man never came back and what did christ do christ didn't mourn christ christ didn't sorrow over that christ said all right you don't want to do it i'll find somebody willing to do it in that very next chapter he goes and finds several servants and they go and, and i believe it's i believe it's at the end of that chapter correct me if i'm wrong when he said blessed are the eyes that see what you see uh that kings even have wanted to see the things that you've seen and haven't and so that's my biggest fear and is that setting limits on the Lord and saying, I'll go so far, but I'm not willing to cross that, that fence. It's not in my strength. It ain't about what I can do or my, my potential. I want to go in God's potential. Uh, when, when I was 18, I literally gave up everything I was ever good at. The only thing I was ever good at was uh, academics and, and, you know, just being book smart and making good grades. And I gave up that 
Uh, and so all of my strengths were laid on the altar and I'm just going in the strength of the Lord. Amen. And I believe if, if we can just get there, it takes, yes, it takes money. Uh, it, it takes a lot of, of resources, uh, but God has access to it all. And uh, God's provided us a house in the States, provided us a house twice the times we've lived in the States. So I have full, full confidence the Lord will provide us a house in Papua New Guinea. That's not a hole in the ground. Amen. And uh, I, so if we can just get there and the, the Lord will, will provide all of the rest. And uh, when they shall hear of me, they shall obey me. Goodness, yes, it's gonna it's gonna have problems. I am definitely not saying the Lord is is putting me above problems. Definitely not. My goodness, my whole life has been nothing uh, but opposition. But that the gospel, it it's powerful. Whether it it uh, whether I can see it or not, I mean, it, it had enough strength to change uh, me. It had enough strength to change my mom. Uh, she had me as a teenager and, and uh, just just a coincidence, quote unquote, a preacher met her, uh, a Baptist preacher. Could have been a Jehovah's Witness, right. could have been a Catholic guy, could, could have been anybody, but it was an independent Baptist preacher came Amen. and preached the gospel. And it changed us. And so I have full confidence that it will change those people. And I, I, I believe I have a promise from the Lord uh, that, that if somebody will just tell them, if, if they can just just hear it, and faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and, and they will accept it. Amen. That's right, Brother Caleb. That's wonderful. And and what he's saying is is the message of our whole page, uh, this part of our ministry, is who will go. And uh, we need laborers. We need laborers. And I, it it's amazing you said that about the shelf. I've been thinking about Brother Ballou a lot here lately, and uh, he influenced you and I both. But Brother yeah. Baloo would always say that he, he had a message he preached about things he was fearful of, and one of them was being put on the shelf. And yeah. I don't want to be put on the shelf. Yeah. I'm with Brother Caleb, with Brother Baloo. I don't want to be put on the shelf. And yeah. uh, we need laborers, folks. That's what this whole thing's about. Yes, we need money for missions, but we need men and women for missions. And uh, right. if you've never asked God what you can do to fulfill the Great Commission, Maybe today would be that day that you could just ask the Lord, uh, just put a Bible and a map out in front of you and say, Lord, there's 7.7 billion people uh, that, that's, that's on this earth. What can I do to reach them? Where can I go to reach them? And, and here's another thing. I do not believe that God calls hundreds of preachers in the southeast to sit on the pew uh, to yeah. wait for somebody to call them to preach or wait for somebody right. to die so they can preach. Uh, go to the street corner, get you a Sunday school class, get you a radio program, get you a nursing home ministry when everything opens back up. And, but, but serve until you get to go somewhere and serve. Everybody's looking for a, 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 you know, a big check and a nice SUV and a big full-time church. And it may be that God wants you to go somewhere, whether it's in the States or whether it's overseas, and build a work like that. And yes, uh, it's not God's will for everybody to sit in the southeast and pastor when 7.7 billion are going to hell. So uh, this is a young man, a young family that had all kinds of potential to do whatever the world wanted to do. And they walked away from it to serve God. And I'm thankful to know him. Amen. Uh, listen, if you would, uh, 
will like to go and visit Brother Caleb in the islands there. Uh, Lord willing, their baby. When's the baby due? September. September. And hopefully by the end of the year, they'll be working on going back. And if you would like to have Brother Caleb in uh, to uh, present or uh, while they're here on furlough, um, his uh, info will be in the description of the video and on the podcast. Check them. Check it out. Contact them. Uh, this is a family worthy of support. Check them out. Contact them. But if you would like to go and visit them uh, in, in next year, we'll be taking at least one trip to Papua New Guinea. And even if we don't go directly to Brother Caleb, uh, you could go and spend some time there with them. Uh, a lot of times when we take groups to Papua New Guinea, our team will split up and hit different areas. Uh, so we cover more ground. And so it would be a great opportunity for you and your family, you, you and your spouse, uh, you as a single person to go over and uh, take some time to minister with them. Uh, thine eye hath affected thine heart. And uh, go see it. Go see it. And you don't have to be, you, just, you don't have to be a preacher to be a missionary. Uh, anybody can be a missionary. Right. So, uh, Brother Caleb, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, I just want to tell Brother Chris, I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for letting me get on here. Um, it, it's, it's a lot more doable than people realize. Um, they, well, Brother Caleb, you're a preacher. Of course, you're, you're going to be a missionary. People think I'm a preacher's kid or something like that. And I grew up in a, in a divided home, uh, parents divorced. Sorry. I never even knew my real dad. And I went to public school all my life. And, and my pastor's not very well known, just a small church in Roanoke, Alabama, just, just normal, you know, just regular, ordinary. And uh, people from Roanoke never leave Roanoke. And so the idea of a 21-year-old going by himself to as far away from Roanoke as you can get in Papua New Guinea uh, was, was daunting to me. And I got there, and I realized that, it's a lot more doable yes, than you build it up to be. It's a lot more. You just do it. You get on the plane, sit there, and uh, get to Papua New Guinea, and just just soak in what God wants you to have there, what God's purpose for you is there. Uh, go in to minister, yes, uh, but I search, search for what that country can teach you. Amen. Search what those people can teach you, what you can glean. Those people are a lot more spiritual than we are. The, the, the people, the, the laymen in the church yes. are vastly, vastly superior in spirituality than Caleb Wilson is. Much more faithful, much more committed. They suffer much more uh, closer to Christ. Uh, than even the missionary is uh, oftentimes because of, of where they're at and the lack of convenience, the lack of all, all of the toys that we have. So go in searching, uh, yes, to, to minister, to be a blessing, uh, but search what God wants you to glean from them, what God wants you to learn from them, uh, because, you know, we, we want to bring them to the States and show off all our lights. I, they don't need that. They, we need them. We need them to, to show us Amen. how to live closer to Christ. And that's that my first trip. That was what it was all about. I didn't lead anybody to the Lord or, or anything like that. I had a hand in Bible projects and all that stuff. But my first trip, those two months was really for what God wanted to give to me, what God wanted to teach me, show me. 
from these people. Yes. And so it's a lot more doable than you than you think it is. Average tickets about two thousand uh, dollars. I've been able to get them as, as all the way to Port Moresby. I've been able to get them as low as twelve hundred dollars. And again, a hundred dollars a month. For a whole year, you can get $1,200 easy. Right. Are you willing to? The Chick-fil-A does fundraisers all the time for all sorts of trivial purposes. Surely they'd let you do it for a mission strip. Right. Um, $2,000, it's not as hard as you think it is to raise up that money. Uh, and and so I, I just want to encourage everyone. It's a lot more doable than you think right. it is. Um, it, it's not as impossible as, as it may seem. Um, you know, you, you look on this side and you say, there's no way I could ever do that. But once you're in it, you just do it. You, yes, you, you conform to the, to the people, uh, how, what, how they eat and, and, and it's enjoyable. You're getting to learn. And, uh, so I just greatly encourage anyone just because you take a trip to Papua New Guinea does not mean you're committing your life to live there. Uh, just, just, just take a trip. Uh, there, there's, there's, nothing wrong with that um and i i just i just wanted to encourage a everyone in that because you're looking at just a nobody kid from nowhere alabama just an ordinary person regular uh there's nothing special it's just the difference in me and all the ones i grew up with most of them uh, is i just said yes sir the lord told us all something to do he didn't he doesn't show favoritism and only pick a, he told us all something to do yes, sir. and me and just a couple others were the only ones to say all right lord yeah that's um, i'll do that i'll do that and that's all it takes to serve the lord Amen. is just somebody willing to say yes sir i will do that i will do whatever you say and you say well well Brother Caleb, God called you at 18. It didn't start at 18. Again, brother, as Brother Chris said, my pastor had me busy in the nursing home, in children's church, and, and all sorts of ministries, street preaching at preaching. the school. We used to go street yeah. preaching. And so, uh, and even after, I knew what the Lord wanted me to do. But for three years while I was in Bible college, I didn't do anything with Papua New Guinea. I, I sat in my, under my pastor and, and just worked in, yes, in the church. And so I encourage anybody to do that. Um, I, I, again, I, I feel like I'm preaching too, but a, a huge obstacle, a, a, a huge obstacle, especially to young people, is the influence of parents. Yes, sir. And uh, my mom, I was 21, uh, but my mom was really hesitant about me going to Papua New Guinea. And she would never, she's very spiritual lady now. She would never try to talk me out of it, but she, she let me know all of these different things. And, and it, to me, it felt like an obstacle that I had to get past. And she didn't mean that, but it's just, just the flesh, you know, and uh, that's something you just got to get past. What does God want me to do? And the only counsel that matters was the Lord. And of course my pastor. And as long as those two things were in line, then I could do what God told me to yes, do. Sir. And so that, that's all you need. And uh, there, that, that old prophet in, uh, I think it's, I think it's first Kings. First Kings um, 13, 12 and 13. Yeah. That, that young prophet. Uh, I mean, he, he just saw this, this great work from the Lord and God told him, go back. Do not stray. Go to where I tell you to go. 
And the king tried to talk him out of it and say, no, come eat with me. He said, no, God told me to do something. And he kept going. He kept going until he met an old prophet in the way. And the old prophet said, an angel told me you're supposed to dine with me. And he brought him into his house. And then God judged that young prophet sure. because, because of an influence of an old washed up prophet that sat, in, that, that sat down on the Lord and was no longer serving. And, he, and it's the young prophet's fault. There's going to be all yes, kinds sir. of people criticize you and try to get in your way and obstruct you. It's your fault if you let it get to you. Uh, if you get out of the church, that's nobody's fault but yours, no matter what happens to you. If you do not do, if you do not end up in the perfect plan of God, that's nobody's fault but yours. Right. You've got to determine that you're going to do that, no matter what anybody says. Amen. And so, I, again, I know I'm preaching, but that that's just, and I've lived this, as Brother Chris has said, I've lived this. And, and everybody that's going to do anything for the Lord has to. Right. And oftentimes, it's not that the people obstructing you are meaning harm necessarily. It's that, again, as the devil used Peter, the devil is using their influence in your life as a negative, as something to hold you back. And you've just got to push through that. Amen. Amen. That's right. And, and Brother Caleb, you think it's hard when you're 21 and single, wait till you're 31 and have kids. Because not me specifically, but I'm talking about I've heard uh, a lot of parents and grandparents say, you're not taking my grandbabies across the other side of the world. And it causes a real division. And uh, it's hard to go, but like you said, it, it falls on the, the person God's calling. And I believe there's judgment for that kind of talk on people that try to hinder. Yeah. But uh, I'm telling you, it's it's that that's a big judgment just just to confide or you know to to pacify family and not and try to justify not going because of that so but well brother caleb i love you and i appreciate you and miss tabitha we're praying for the babies i hope to see y'all soon and uh thank you for doing the interview with us uh all of brother caleb's as i've already mentioned all of brother caleb's info will be in the description of the video please share this video uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Subs uh, go over to Facebook. Follow us on the Who Will Go page. Who It's for Revival. Uh, follow us on our personal page. We appreciate you. And uh, as I always try to ask folks, who will go? Who's willing to go and uh, reach this world with the gospel? God bless you. Until next time. Don't you hear my Savior calling I said, who will go and work today? Yes, fields are right and harvest waiting. Who will bear the sheep?